0: It takes courage more than it takes understanding, meaning it takes courage to try to find your purpose through those passions and equipping your passions than it does having to have this perfect understanding of what your passions might be, because also your purpose may change. You know, my circumstances change as I go through my life. You know, we add a child. We have to, you know, fix a twenty eight hundred dollar plumbing repair today, right? We've got our circumstances change, but that does not change the calling that I believe is on my life, and and the who I want to become, and who I believe that God is wanting me to become through the process and going out in this world and being someone who impacts the world through motorsports. And so, even though that's my purpose, my circumstances to get through that stuff, it does take some patience, it takes courage, but it also takes a commitment for me personally to take more risks, have more faith, and the faith being belief and action on that belief that that things are going to happen and 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 then thirdly, be more creative. Be creative enough to find the solutions to the problem. And when all of that happens,
1: here's the million dollar question. How do men like us reach our full potential, grow into the men we dream of being while taking care of our responsibilities? working, being good husbands, fathers, and still take care of ourselves? Well, that's the big question. In this podcast, we'll help you answer those questions and more. My name is Brent, and welcome to the Fallible Man Podcast. Welcome to the Fallible Man Podcast, your home for all things man, husband, and father. Big shout out to Fallible Nation and a warm welcome to our first-time listeners. Hey, thanks for checking us out, and I hope you enjoy the show. My name is Brent, and today my special guest speaker author and professional monster jam driver the great cliff mohawk warrior bryce kenney bryce welcome to the fallible man podcast
0: hey brent thanks for having me on man i'm excited i love the show i love what it's about i love the message and uh, i'm excited it's just an honor to be on here with you man
1: i i've been looking forward to the conversation bryce i i enjoyed reading your book but before we drive down that rabbit hole uh, you know we like to start things a little light here, so here is the trivia question of your show, right? Yeah. How's your sports trivia? Uh,
0: it's okay. Depends on what sport. <laughs> okay,
1: okay. All right, guys, you can play along at home. Which professional sport did bank robber John Dillinger play? Is it A. Oh. Football, B. American football, C. Baseball, or D. Basketball?
0: My first gut was baseball, and I don't, I don't even know why but you had two footballs. So the, the test taker in me would have chosen one of the footballs. You said football or American football. Mm-hmm. So it's got to be American football if I was just deducing that, but uh, I'm going to stick with my first gut reaction before you even said that, which was baseball.
1: All right. Now guys, if you're playing along, whether you're, if you're on the road, please just memorize your answer. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't try and like write it down while you're driving. Uh, but play the game. Don't, don't fast forward. Don't look it up. Just make your guess. And we'll get back to that later. Uh, Bryce? <laughs> The most important question on the show is today, in this moment, who is Bryce Kenney in your own words?
0: Bryce Kenney is a Christian first, a family man second, and a Monster Jam driver third. And I don't even know where an author might go in that list, <laughs> but I guess I'm, maybe that's fourth. Um, but I'm somebody that that is terrified of the concept of wasting my life. And so everything that has driven me and my motivation, uh, really since college even, I mean, I I remember laying in in bed at night uh, in my college dorm room just feeling like, man, I just feel like I'm wasting my life. And that was the one thing I had committed to even back in college going, I'm not going to get to my deathbed and then just have all these regrets. I'm not going to get to my deathbed and wish that I had risked more or done more or gone after it. Uh, and so I just want to make my life count, whatever that looks like. And that changes, that finds different gears, that's found a lot of different gears along the way here as well. But I'd like to think that I'm somebody that's committed to not wasting my life and and making the most of this. I mean, if I'm going to wake up with a heartbeat, right, I might as well do something with it, is my opinion.
1: Bryce, if you could have one superpower, what would it be and why? <laughs> It's got to be, I was going to say the ability to fly, but
0: uh, I think I get to do that kind of in my job anyway as a monster jam driver. So so maybe that's why it's the first thing that comes to mind. And I can't imagine being, com- I've, I, I know what it feels like to be completely weightless in a truck, uh, <laughs> but that only lasts for maybe a couple seconds on a big jump. So I, I, can, I cannot imagine being weightless and just flying all over the place and never having to land. That's what's uh, like an albatross or something like that. But, you know, it's pretty cool that that's been my job getting to, you know, fly through the air, go 45 feet and hopefully come back down. And I will say gravity is undefeated.
1: (laughs) Nice. Bryce, what's your guilty pleasure snack? Ooh, sprinkles.
0: (laughs) Okay, I guess that's not a snack. I guess that's a treat. But sprinkles. My kids make fun of me. I got an eight, a six and a two year old. Uh, they make fun of dad too, because anything with sprinkles is, is a, is a treat, uh, is got to be a treat for me, but man, you know, my wife had the, 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 the chocolate covered pretzels the other day. Mm-hmm. That might be my new little, you know, guilty pleasure. Chocolate yeah. covered pretzels. They, they did me right.
1: <laughs> I, my wife digs those.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks a lot, Brent. Hey, yeah, wife, <laughs> huh? Yeah. Okay,
1: like I didn't, I did
0: pick a manly enough snack. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I've just never been a pretzel guy. I just uh-huh I, i've never like of all the things pretzels just i was never a big pretzel guy yeah well we can change
0: that we gotta get you some sprinkles and some chocolate on them i guess there we go
1: right <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna have to try the combination yeah hey maybe you can get the company that did the chocolate covered ones to do a sprinkles edition yeah rice kenny edition of the mohawk warrior Let's edition oh come right? on brent
0: you're a marketing you're a marketing mind aren't you jump that up man. I love right. it. We can get a little mohawk on there. Someone we gave me a duck. You know the Jeep thing where people like give each other ducks? Yeah. Someone yeah. walked up and gave me. I don't have a Jeep. They just walked up and gave me a duck with a mohawk on it. So now I'm kind of like, I didn't know there's little ducks with mohawks all over them anyway. So now we got pretzels with mohawks. We can make that happen. Uh, and ducks. I don't know how those will fit in, but there's options.
1: It's marketing. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure Monster Jam has a great marketing department. that's going to be yeah. for this. Right? <laughs> yeah. That's right, <laughs> they'll love it. What is your favorite kind of ice cream? Strawberry, strawberry,
0: yeah, strawberry no, with sprinkles. Again, I mean, I hate to just now all of a sudden it's just sprinkles, but no, strawberry. It's always been my even my again my kids they 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 order for me because it's always defaulting to strawberry with real strawberries in it. You know, give me the good stuff. Yeah, good strawberry. Not yeah, the good yeah, stuff. good. Absolutely,
1: yeah. I, I'm. Uh, is it dryers? Has this kind of square containers? yeah uh, Brian. because yeah. you get that you know it's actually like straight ice cream with fruit in it and it's not all the fake colors and junk yes
0: yeah it tastes like you're at the at the strawberry farm right you know?
1: yeah <laughs> good ice cream
0: yeah and and not even the waffle cone stuff either you know it, it's the get the cake cone you don't have to get the waffle cone all that stuff just a good old-fashioned cake normal ice i'll call it the normal cone
1: how's that yeah <laughs> There's so many options these days. I'm not sure there is a normal cone anymore. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's all there was when I was younger. Was that you know cake cone, and and then they got the sugar cones and sugar
0: cone. That's what I'm thinking.
1: They they got them dipped though with sprinkles. So oh,
0: <laughs> see, extra extra gluten too. Like throw all the gluten in there. I, you know I want I want I want extra gluten in my uh in in my cone.
1: Of course. <laughs> Bryce, what purchase of $100 or less have you made in the last year that's had the biggest impact on your life? Ooh,
0: that's an excellent question. The biggest impact. Hmm. Mm. I would say it would have to be a, uh, <laughs> well, all right, I'm just gonna tell you the, the first thing that I'm that I'm coming to mind. I bought a gasket set. I've got a 1970 Mustang and it's been in my family for 40 years i bought it from my uncle 20 years ago and i bought a gasket set for my for the exhaust because I'm, I'm doing everything i can to keep this car alive and on the road and preserving history in a way and so i bought a, a, an exhaust a header header exhaust gasket set and apparently i bought the wrong ones <laughs> so even though a gasket set it was under a hundred dollars But I put it on my Mustang and I just figured, I could not figure out why these headers were leaking and all that stuff. And I finally pulled, popped these gaskets off and realized I put the wrong size gaskets on there. And like, I I was so mad at myself. I was like, this is, this is a beyond a rookie mistake. I mean, I I know motors, I know engines. I I grew up around this stuff. How in the world did I put a two barrel uh, gasket set on a four barrel motor? And, of course, it's been running so bad and terrible. So, anyway, that's going to be my project. And now I've got to spend another 40 bucks on the right gasket set. But that has impacted – apparently, that's impacted my life enough that that's the first thing that came to
1: mind when you asked me
0: that question. <laughs> I've, I, I, I've, I, I've, I wasn't I've lost even, sleep over it, apparently.
1: I wasn't even going to teach you about the fact that you you messed that up, right? Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah thanks.
1: <laughs> you're, you're a born and bred gearhead. I'm not sure how that happened. Just yeah,
0: so. that's right. Sure man it is it's it's deep in there too <laughs> right it's it's
1: that's reading your book it's like mm, not sure how that one happened
0: yep <laughs> yeah that's true yeah yeah people are gonna read my book now and do that have that same reaction like uh it, you know i thought he was a gearhead who, who would swap up a gasket set and you're right and then the worst part about that brent was when i i had to text my uncle who i bought the car from right <laughs> and so i bought you know And, and he always gives me a hard time and he had that motor out of the, out of my must or it was his Mustang, but he had it out of the car. They would put it and swap it in front engine dragsters back in the nineties and all that stuff. Okay. Mm -hmm. Cause my family, I mean, we, my grandfather started back in the 1950s on old abandoned airstrips, uh, you know, souping up Oldsmobiles and he was kind of known as the guy that could tinker on it to make the Oldsmobiles a little bit faster. And, uh, and so that's where my family started in motorsports was 70 something years ago anyway. Um, but, uh, but my uncle used to pull this motor out, put it in front engine dragsters and run the dog out of this thing. And then I'm the one that's now trying to baby it. I'm upgrade. I'm, you know, I'm, I gave it a brain with an electronic fuel injection system and, oh, no. and, and all this stuff. And so I had to text him the other day after I give him a hard time. Cause he tries to tease me like, man, what's going on? I can't believe you hurt the motor doing this. I'm like, Dude, I'm I'm just suffering from all of your bad decisions from the '90s. Don't don't make it sound like I'm not doing it right. Uh, and then I text him about the gasket set, and then that that'll open up a whole can of worms. And you know, I'm sure the next five things I'm working on, he's just going to assume that it was my fault. But it's okay, Brent. I'm you know, <laughs> I, I guess I'll just go to therapy for it or something. Surely, maybe this is my therapy. valuable huh? man. Therapy there we go.
1: <laughs> Bryce, what are you most proud of?
0: I'm I'm most proud of my kids and my marriage. Like my family, I love, you know, I love my, my relationship with my wife, not because it's perfect, but because I've known her since the first grade and, you know, she kept dumping me for other guys in middle school. And so, I, you know, like I, I stuck with it and I, you know, we didn't talk hardly at all through high school and uh, we started dating two weeks before graduation and dated through college, separate colleges. And like, we just, we knew we wanted to we wanted to start a family with each other and and live this life and so the last 12 years of being married I mean it's been a huge learning curve and uh, you know I, I I don't know why people talk about marriage counseling being such a you know scary thing because you know we ended up going to a counselor a couple of years back and that was the best decision we ever made for our marriage and uh, but anyway we I, I'm most proud of the fact that after 12 years like we're still madly in love with each other even through the hard stuff because it has not been easy i never want to say that and people think like man i I can't imagine feeling that way about my wife anymore and it's like wait it's there's hope like it's you know keep pressing on keep working on it but and then my kids the older they get the more proud i am of them and just their that when they do things that scare them and you know my son started doing bmx stuff and whenever he he would start going off that hill and for the first time without any assistance and stuff. Like, I just, when they do things that they're afraid of and they push through it, man, that's what I that's what I hope for. If they can get to be 18 and know how to make decisions and are courageous enough to take some risks, oh, man, I, I will feel like I have done something right. And I've got a ways to, until that, you know, until that test comes to fruition. But uh, I, we're having fun doing that. And I, there's nothing better than walking in my house after a long trip from Monster Jam and and uh, just being able to celebrate the cool stuff that just happened on the road and knowing my family's got, got our back. So we're, we feel, I've, I genuinely feel like we're in this chapter of life, in this gear that I'm in right now mm-hmm. in life. I feel like, you know, I feel like we're doing it together as a family and that takes a lot of work and effort to to make happen. But we're, you know, we're, it's a, it's a daily decision for me and my wife to make that a, a reality.
1: Oh yeah. I've been married for, 22 years so yeah if, if anyone tells you there's a point where it's you have to stop working at it they're lying to you
0: yeah how have you guys ever done counseling and stuff like that and and again when you hear that word as a man you're like oh counseling Ooh. you know it's like you freeze up for a second like it's a bad thing but did you guys ever do any counseling
1: or anything no but we do a lot of uh anytime there's any kind of like marriage class at our church or anything like yeah that, it doesn't matter that we've been married 22 years we still go and uh, we go through, we've gone through the same marriage book once or twice. We've gone through different ones. And so mm-hmm. anytime that that platform is available where we're at a conference or something our church is doing in a class or something, we still make that a priority. Yeah. Do you have
0: a favorite book on like on marriage stuff that you've gone through as a guy?
1: Uh, honestly, the my favorite one right now is Dr. Les and Leslie Parrott. Uh, and it's called Fight Night mm and it's it's about how to properly fight as a married couple interesting like they've been doing they have several books they they have actually a lot of really great stuff on marriage and I've gone to like a simul stream uh conference that they did and stuff like that at our church yeah. but their book on uh called Fight Night is how to fight the good fight as as a couple is interesting awesome. I might have to check that one out. <laughs> So, yeah i I've, I've read a lot of them but that one i enjoyed that one is because it gives you kind of a format to help you when things get heated yeah and if you put it into practice it, it frames things easier because you are yeah. a man so well, well i don't know a man out there
0: that that would not want to get out of the fight sooner <laughs> you know? right? so so if that, if that's a manual for doing that you know uh, i don't know if it's fighting better or what i'm sure that'll be the case too but if we can just get out of the fight sooner
1: i think we'll all be happy (laughs) it's fighting to where it's not a you win or she wins it's fighting to we win Mm. so yeah it it frames it differently you gotta check it out yeah i will that's a good one what is this is going to be a hard one you're a public figure Mm -hmm. what's one random fact people don't know about you
0: Mm. One random fact, uh, that my my grandfather, who I, I talk about a lot through my book, just my relationship with him. He was my mentor. He was just he was my guy, and uh, he he was he just meant so much to me. And I'd like to think that I learned a lot of my gears uh, that I talk about in my book from him and mm-hmm. the stories I tell uh, where I learned those, but, uh, he used to never remember my name. <laughs> so, so as close as we were and as much time, he just gave up a long time ago when I was young on calling me Bryce because he had 13 grandkids. And, and so he, he just would, you know, yell at me, Hey, Hey, uh, uh you know, Richard Rhett, uh, Brandon, Bri-, you know, he couldn't remember Bryce, but he remembered Bruce. And so, For whatever reason, he just gave up on calling me Bryce. And basically, it was like an endearing thing where he'd call me Bruce. Hey, Bruce. And he would always remember Bruce. And so then I, you know, even before he passed, he was calling me Bruce and stuff like that. And he knew that that wasn't actually my correct name, but uh, it was easier for him to call me Bruce than Bryce. And so now when people will text me and things like that, autocorrect on everyone's phones, it'll do it quite often where it'll it'll correct the name from bryce to bruce mm-hmm. and so like a lot of people oh, i'm so sorry i didn't you know my phone corrected to bruce you know that they called me the wrong name and it, i always see it as like a little bit of a, a wink <laughs> almost like a wink from my grandfather in a way of because he passed back in 2016 and uh, and i miss him every day so anytime that happens it's actually kind of a, a cool thing but yeah if if people call me bruce they usually you know the the only people that ever call me bruce the ones that you know, know that random fact about me that it's actually not a bad thing. And I, I don't know if I could call it a nickname, but it really does. There's a lot of meaning to it for me. <laughs> I love it. I yeah. Love it.
1: What is one thing everybody should know about you before we get further in this conversation?
0: That I don't have life figured out. I, I've I've never been a person that, you know, I even with writing a book, I was afraid to write a book. First of all, I never thought I would. I never had a plan to write a book. I never thought, oh, I want to be an author one day. You know, we all think that we we hope that we've mastered something in life well enough that we could write the book on it, right? I mean, but but also I think a lot of times that's why we are slow to consider writing a book because we think we have to have life figured out. and And the people that act like they've got life figured out are the ones that never seem to have it figured out. And so that's what – I'm a big believer in that. I don't think there's a secret to life. I don't think that the next great best-selling book out there is going to fix someone's life unless it shifts the perspective of that person. That's why that's what every good book should be doing. Like you talk about fight night. It's like it's not going to give you some manual for marriage, but it will allow you to kind of look going into that, feel different, take a different perspective into that next argument at home. And and allow you and kind of equip you. It should be tools on a tool belt wrapped around your waist. Well, I'm a big believer that it's not about having the secret to life, but I do believe that we have gears. And of course, I think about it as a as a car guy. Uh, with that meaning, you know, if you if people have been living their lives and we live our lives in the same gear for way too long, and we just need to shift and find that next gear we never knew we had. And I'm a big believer that that our gears are our foundational beliefs. I think beliefs drive our actions. And the accumulated actions, the cumulative actions that that we take over a period of our lives, that's what, you know, end up giving us the results that we, we ultimately are wanting to be. And if your goal is not to waste your life or to get promoted or to be a better husband, like that's a cumulative actions taken that all add up into getting the results down the road. So for me, you know, People need to understand I don't have the secret to life, but I do know what my gears are and I'm passionate about being in the right gear at the right time, just like a vehicle go- going down the road should be and able to. And, you know, the the, the rock crawling truck is going to be in a different gear than the Ferrari going down the Autobahn in Germany. You know, it's going to be, a, it's going to have a different gear that you're utilizing and it's about time that we recognize what our gears are going forward. And, and uh, that's what I'm passionate about doing, whether it's on a podcast or writing a book or. Or speaking from stage, it's helping people find that next gear they never knew they had.
1: All right. Guys, we've been getting to know Bryce just a little bit in this intro. In the next part of the show, we're going to dive under the hood with Bryce and really get into his mission, his passions, what's what's really going on and why he's here today. We're going to roll to our sponsor and we will be right back with more from Bryce Kenny. Now, before we go any further, I wanted to share with you guys, I don't always tell you how much I love doing my podcast. Like I passionately love what I'm doing. And one of the things that makes my life better as a podcaster is to work with a company like Grow Your Show. Grow Your Show is a one-stop podcast, do it all. Now I use Grow Your Show for my marketing, but Grow Your Show is literally a one-stop shop. You can record your episode and just drop it off with them. And they take it from there. It's amazing. If you are interested in picking up podcasting as a hobby, or maybe you're looking to expand your business and use podcasting in that aspect. Talk to my friends over at Grow Your Show. Adam will take care of you. I guarantee it. I trust him. He's my friend. He's my business colleague. And I wouldn't trust anybody else with my show. Guys, welcome back. In the first part of the show, we just spent some time getting to know who Bryce Kinney really is uh, on a human level. In this part of the show, we're going to dive under the hood with Bryce's book, Geared for Life, and his journey, what's brought him here, what drives him. And later in the show, we're going to tap into your passions and how you can use those and move forward with your purpose in life. Now, Bryce, let me upfront, say, I enjoy the book geared for life was a, a good, right? Congratulations on that. Our Thank listeners you. will be able to find that on my library page forevermore, as well as on all of your locations and Amazon, the piece where you talk about your grandfather, after you set a new track record while qualifying, that was a dirty trick. I wasn't expecting to tear up during the book. <laughs> uh, uh, that just wasn't part of the expectation. So yeah. uh, well played, sir. Well, played.
0: <laughs> well, that's a, that's a, that's high praise, Brent. I appreciate that. Not that I made a man cry or anything. Cause, uh, but I will say that was one of the things I couldn't hardly get through whenever I was doing the audio version. To your point, it was, I kept having to take a break and things like that. Cause you know, but that just tells me that the, the realness came through. So I'm, that's exciting, man. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm not excited that you cried, but I'm excited <laughs> that it came through. In a good oh yeah,
1: <laughs> it, it absolutely does. Uh, I think all men have a inherent, you can have an amazing male role model in your life, uh, whether that's a father or a father figure or a grandfather, or you can have an absolute piece of crap, dad. Mm -hmm. Everybody still has a deep seated desire to have that approval. Yeah. And so like you, you threw in that story and it was just like, oh, wasn't expecting (laughs) that. But before we dive into all that, I'm gonna get lots of nasty comments if I don't ask. How does one become a monster jam driver? Yes. Good question.
0: I, I would feel like you've got to, you almost have to win the lottery three times in a row, uh, is the best way to say it. But you know, I I met a guy in college named Morgan King, and actually I, I hosted him on his soccer recruiting trip because I played soccer at Campbell University, which was a division one school here in North Carolina and i hosted him and and so we never actually even played together but we just hit it off we were buddies i take off and i go in my professional drag racing career because that was my dream growing up i wanted to be a i wanted to drive a top fuel dragster going 300 miles an hour in four seconds and do that for the rest of my life and uh, and i got a chance to do it and did it for a couple years and i just couldn't find the sponsorship and but along those those that same time frame as i was getting my top fuel license Morgan Kane started driving a monster truck because he grew up with the Anderson family, which started gravedigger 43 years ago. And so, because he knew the Andersons, he kind of, you know, one day they called him to to drive a truck and and kind of go down that path. I was driving my top fuel stuff. Well, when I got out of the sport and I remember going to my grandfather, he owned the, the team and I had seven different jobs at that time, trying to make my career work in top fuel. And I went to my grandfather and I said, look, don't keep this just for me. Like, you know, sell it, get the, get your money out of it. If, if we need to do that and move on, if it takes me 40 years to get back into this, I'll do it. Right. And that was kind of my game plan. He kind of looked at me and he, he didn't want to get out of it, but at the same time he was ready to retire as well. And, uh, and so anyway, he, he sold everything while well, I was talking to Morgan who had met years back years, you know, probably three or four years prior to that at Campbell. And he said, Oh, if you're out of drag racing, you need to talk to monster. And honestly, Brent, I had never even been to a monster jam event, never been to a monster truck event. I had seen a monster truck in person one time when it was at one of our drag races. And that was, that was all, that was my whole experience. And so I was kind of like, I don't know. You know, I was kind of, I kind of set myself on that path to go and create wealth and then become a team owner like my grandfather did. And then to run my team again. And if it took me 40 years to do it, so be it. And so I felt like, man, maybe this is a course, maybe this is the wrong course to, to go down. But I remember talking to Monster Jam and and uh, they said, well, you know, timing's not real great for us. And, it, you know, if, if that changes, we'll call you. And so I thought, okay, it wasn't meant to be, you know. And so I, I went off and, and kind of went down this corporate career and I was placing CFOs and CEOs in the private equity-backed companies. <laughs> as odd as that sounds. I go, I go from top-field drag racing To executive recruiting. um, And then four years later, okay, so I'm, I am knee deep in this career, I'm getting ready to get promoted, I'm getting ready to, um, to start my own practice in my recruiting firm that I was with very lucrative industry. And it was the the perfect pathway to create wealth. And then Monster Jam calls me back four years later and say, Hey, Bryce, you know, we've had your information all this time, timing is better for us. Would you be interested in going to Monster Jam University? (laughs) Real place, Brent. Real place. And I kind of thought because of my top fuel stuff and my experience there, I thought, man, how much is that going to cost me? Remember, I had seven jobs at that time, all trying to, and I was funneling every dime I had into that dream and uh, to keep it going and to keep it alive. And so that was my first reaction was how much is this going to cost me? And they said, well, you know, we've got all the equipment up in Illinois. I mean, it's our equipment. and You know, we don't, we don't have like a fee. And I thought, so just like a flight in a hotel? You know, I came across the phone. I asked them that question. You know, I'm thinking, man, for a thousand bucks, that would be a heck of an experience. And they kind of got frustrated at me. I said, "No, we we will buy you a flight and a hotel room. Can we just can you get off work in a few weeks from now and be up in Paxton, Illinois, to go to our and test a Monster Jam truck?" And I kind of was like, "Well, heck yeah, I can do that. You know, it's not I mean, it's not going to cost me anything. All I got to do is get off of work." I I just thought. As funny as it sounds, I had no expectation that anything would come from it. I just expect. I just thought one day, ten years from then, I'd be in a Buffalo Wild Wings somewhere, and it would come up on TV, and I'd get to like nudge a buddy with my elbow and go, "Dude, ten years ago, I drove one of those things one time." I thought I, I genuinely thought that's as far as it would go. And uh, sure enough, I go through Monster Jam University. They gave me a diploma, Brent, and I thought that was a little bit much. Like. <laughs> And I left it in the hotel room and because I just thought it was so ridiculous. I didn't even take it home with me. And now I talk about it so much, I wish I would have held on to it. But uh, maybe I'll just make my own, you know, make it, make, make it look like a Harvard, Harvard MBA degree or something. But, um, uh, but I went through that process and uh, learned how to drive it and learned from some of the best drivers on what it looks like. And, and, uh, and that first year, I drove a, a, a truck called Monster Mutt, which was a dog-themed truck. And it was still a hobby. I didn't leave my corporate job at that point. Uh, that first year, I did twelve weekends. They didn't even invite me into the World Finals. Monster Jam didn't. Like it was just such a such a part time side job hobby that I was. It was almost like an outlet for me because my corporate job was so demanding. Uh, but then it also became very hard to to do both. And that's when uh, the Mohawk Warrior truck and the Great Clip sponsorship came around as well. So anyway, that's a whole other story. But I made it through Monster Jam University. And yeah, it's a it was a literal crash course in driving a twelve thousand pound machine and learning how to do backflips for a living.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness! I I actually so I actually almost felt guilty when when we set this up. It's like man, I haven't watched Monster Trucks since I was a kid. Yeah, it, it was Bigfoot and Gravedigger back then, where the you know construction yes. the sport and, and Big, uh,
0: Bigfoot's still out there as well. So he he was one of the ones. He didn't sell. He didn't want to sell to Monster Jam years back. Gravedigger did. Uh, So Monster Jam now, people don't actually realize how big Monster Jam is. It's the largest motorsports fleet in the world. And so they own everything, right? They own the trucks. They own the driver's crew, everything. They build the trucks from the ground up. um, And then it's owned by a company called Feld Entertainment, F-E-L-D. Uh, they own Supercross, Disney on Ice. They they're the ones that shut down the circus because of the animal stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're the ones that are relaunching it now. So the Ring- Ringling Brothers, if you've seen if anyone's seen that, all of that's coming out of Feld Entertainment, which is out of Monster Jam as well. And they have the uh, the, the second, maybe I heard recently it was the third largest building in the state of Florida now. Uh, but it's this huge headquarters down in uh, Palmetto, Florida, just outside of Sarasota, you know, an hour away from Tampa. And that's where everything's based. So it's kind of crazy because they maintain it. I literally, Brent, I fly in on a Thursday. The truck is there. It's fixed from the week before. I tear it up again wherever I'm at, break the truck in half. I get back on an airplane on Sunday and fly home. I mean, (laughs) fire your high school guidance counselor. All of us need to send a strongly worded letter to our guidance counselors that that no one told you listener that this was an option as a career
1: (laughs) right i i don't remember that in in my guidance counselor spill monster truck driver podcaster right yeah a lot of a lot of things i'm involved with i don't remember ever being part of that conversation
0: yeah yeah where was that on the strengths finders test
1: right man (laughs) so bryce you have i mean a fascinating career honestly like uh when, when we first connected it was like oh wow that's that's really cool like you hold the Guinness book of world records for the fastest speed in a monster truck, mm-hmm. which is just insane. Yeah. Uh, I read that story in the book. I was like, uh, I'm not sure that it's meant to go that fast. It, it was not.
0: <laughs> yeah. My, my, our, our conversation before the the world record run was okay. No one's hit hundred miles an hour before in something that weighs this, this much. and And we looked at each other and I went, yeah, and no one's crashed one of these at 100 miles an hour either.
1: it <laughs> so did not
0: crash, but uh, yeah, it was way more violent than 100 miles an hour felt, to your point. They're just, they're not supposed to go at high speeds like that.
1: So why write a book? Hmm. We, we, we at, touched a little bit earlier. You're like, you you never even intended to write a book. Yeah. Why, why write a book?
0: Yeah, it wasn't even on, it wasn't a bucket list item for me. I love doing speaking engagements. I love going on, I love putting a, a speech together. Um, uh, because it cuts me open and I feel like it makes me a better version of myself. But I remember thinking it'll be cool just because of the way you can get content online that my kids will have that. But we don't always have, you know, you mentioned just a little bit ago, not everybody has a grandfather like I had that that was had was that positive influence on my life. I am not a self-made person. I'm not somebody that just was smart enough to battle through everything and You know, if I'm Batman right now, my grandfather was Alfred. You know, he was the one that was that 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 really was my not just my mentor, but he was the one that connected the dots for me in my mind. Well, if you're listening to this, like you're Batman, too. And if my book can then be Alfred, whether you had a positive influence growing up or a mentor, if you've ever had that or not, none of us actually believe that we can get through this hard stuff called life on our own. None of us do. Like we know that we we believe deep down that we're capable of making it through, but having someone to guide us around the landmines, um, we we recognize that it, that might be what it's gonna take. And so I said to myself, okay, I had that positive influence and not, not every single thing I talk about in the book came from my grandfather, but I hope that whether someone has a mentor, I hope this book becomes a mentor for people. And I hope by the time they get through it, You know, I share my seven personal gears—the gears that I shift in and out of constantly in my life—and how I learned them. And I hope by the time someone gets to the end of them, you know that they'll probably steal some of my gears. But my hope is that they find their own as well, right? Maybe they steal three or four of their gears, but then they they get to the end, they realize, man, what do I believe? Because we're going into this point in our life with all the chaos going on around our world. There's never a more important time to know what you believe and understand why you believe that, because that will drive your actions going forward. And so my life has been a, a culmination of shifting into the right gear at the right time. And then sometimes finding out, oh, that was the wrong gear and shifting back into the right one. And, and it's a, it's a, it's a process with it. And so my desire to write this book was just that. I hope it is the Alfred to your Batman. You know, I hope it is the guide. I hope it is a mentor for people uh, and and allows them to get unstuck that the people that are dealing with burnout that just feel, man, I don't know that I can get through any more of this, uh, that, that that book serves to get them through that hard time. And so that when we are hit, our head hits the pillow at night, you know, all of us have had those moments where it's like, man, is this really all there is? And we've got, if, you're, if your head hits the pillow at night and you're still asking that question, something needs to change. And what needs to change is not this whole upending of life. You know, sometimes we think, oh, I don't, I don't know how to fix all this. Is this really all there is to life? Like, surely this can't be it uh, for, for me. And the answer to that is no. But you, if you're in first gear and you've been in first gear for 35 years, it's time to shift to second. And what does that look like? And how, what does it take to, to find second gear? What does second gear uh, going to look like for you in your life that's what i hope the book becomes for people and that's why i wanted to write it
1: that's actually how the fellow man started i i hit that moment in my life and went this can't be it right yeah i, I had a good job we had the house kids dog right the american dream and yeah and i looked around and went really <laughs> this, 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 is, this is this is this is the dream I'm, i'm not sure i buy that now right? There's got to be more meaning to that. So yes, I love that. That was a driving force.
0: Yes. Well, and if it, just to your point, you know, I think we all, we all have that moment of, of lack of belief, you know, and frustration. And then a lot of people, a lot of times we give up in that moment and we just think, you know, I think it's one of the most dangerous moments in life is when you're in that moment, you're not sure what's going on next and all this stuff. And you go, you know, it's not that people just give up, but they, they, they get stuck in neutral, right? And all of a sudden, it's just kind of, okay, I guess this is all there is. That's dangerous because I, I, I meet way more people that are 65 and older that they really – they kind of just parked it in neutral or first gear 30 years ago, and that's all they've done because that's all that they thought they were capable of. Mm-hmm. And, man, what a, what a waste, right? I mean, what, how, how many dreams and unrealized goals end up in the graveyards? You know, how, many, how, much, how much potential ends up buried in a grave, meaning just unrealized potential because people didn't realize that maybe it wasn't, well, I got to figure out all the secrets to making this goal and dream happen because that's what most, most of it is. The only reason people give up on a goal is because they don't believe that they have what it takes to make it happen mm-hmm. and they don't believe they have what it takes to figure out how to make it happen. And it's like, man, you're trying to find, you're trying to go from first gear to fifth gear. That's not the answer. Like you, yeah, hey, have a great vision, have a big time goal. But don't feel like you're having to shift from first to fifth. Go from first gear to second gear. And then let's help you go from second to third, third to fourth. And that's how you create momentum. And momentum should be the goal. It's the hardest thing to create, it's the hardest thing to keep as well. But that's what I think that that having the right perspective will give you.
1: Bryce? You have these platforms where you know you've you've had the career changes which is not easy uh, yeah. especially starting out of marriage uh <laughs> going back to your book i i love that conversation it's like oh uh, yeah how do how do i go back to my wife and be like ah, we're gonna change this up a little bit yes <laughs> you, you've had those change-ups right you started in drag racing with your with your grandfather you've had all these steps and now you're driving this incredible machine doing this awesome thing. You're writing a book, you're breaking records, you're talking to people, why? What makes Mm -hmm. Bryce tick?
0: I really believe in my heart. It's not that I'm any smarter than anybody else or that I have more of life figured out. I think that there's really three things that I want to become as the best version of myself. It's someone that takes more risks that has more faith that things are going to work out and someone that's more creative in making this stuff happen. And and that doesn't have to be anyone else's goal out there. It's just mine. Because deep down, if I can help people create a better version of themselves and find that best version, then it'll all be worth it. You know, I think that when we focus on who we want to become instead of the what we want to do, then the what takes care of itself. And, and what I mean by that is, is just what I was saying. I want to be someone who impacts this world through the platform of motorsports. So when I had the decision to make about leaving my corporate career, remember, that was a, I had a really good life going. You know, I was making good money. That was going to be my pathway back into drag racing down the road. So I hoped and thought that was the vision. But When I struggled with the decision on leaving that career, leaving the good life for something that was great and putting me back into a a motorsports career today, which is why I left my my recruiting job for Monster Jam, that to me is all about the who. And if you can figure out who you want to be, then the what takes care of itself, meaning, okay, if I know I want to be that person that impacts world through motorsports, then when I'm faced with the decision on what to do, whether it's leaving my good corporate career for uh, for for Monster Jam, that fell in line and aligned with who I wanted to become. And it's the same thing with writing a book. You know, If it was just w- the what of writing a book, meaning did, did I ever think that what I wanted to do was publish a book? No, that, that was not part of my what, but it was part of my who. And so my better version, the best version of Bryce Kinney, I don't know exactly what I'll look like at 65 or 70, right not just physically but <laughs> but in in the things that I that that I want to go and do but I can tell you I want to become the best version of me and so when we're focused on who we want to be through that process then we're I think we're able to more clearly articulate and understand and find the things of what kind of fall in line with getting us there and so that's what I hope really not not even just this book becomes for other people and uh, but it's kind of like a barn find would be the best way to drive that part home. It's, you know, we all, as guys, like we have that dream of, you're going down a back road, you look up, you know, you look up on the hillside and all of a sudden you see it out of a barn, you see these headlights and you can't see the car, but you know, right. If it, you know, you're like, man, that's an old hot rod. Cause the the top of it's kind of covered in, in with a tarp and you pull off to the side and and you go up to the barn and and sure enough, you knock on the door and the old man comes out and he's like yeah, you know, it's just a 69 Camaro. And he's had it for 45 years. And, you know, you walk up to the car and he's showing you everything. And, and uh, he, t- he tells you the motor hasn't been started in 10 years. He hasn't had it out of the barn in that long either. And you're looking at it, the tar- and he kind of pulls the tarp back, and you see it. Well, that thing is, it looks like a pile of junk. If my wife saw that car, she would look at it for what it is now, which is covered in dust, dirt, gross, right? Hasn't started not something that's going to be able to take the kids to school. But as guys, we see that car at its best. We don't even see the dust and the dirt and, and the, the motor that hasn't started. All we see is that brand new paint job. We can almost see it. We can hear the, the tire screeching on a burnout, right? We can see it, that, that car at its very best version, not what it's doing sitting there in that, that old barn. And my question and my point I've always said is, man, if I can do that with a vehicle, why can't I do that with myself when I look in the mirror? And it's, I think it's about time we start seeing our, ourselves as our best version of what we can become, who we can become as men, and then allow the what to kind of fall in line with supporting and getting us there. And, uh, and, and that's what I'm passionate about doing. And, and people can do it if they feel like they've got the right support and mentorship and guidance to make that happen. And that's what I think. Podcasts just like this—that's why it's so important. That's what it's doing. That's why people that love this podcast—that's why they love it. They may not realize that, but they—it's—it's it's getting them, moving them into that better version of themselves, whether they realize it or not. And now, all of a sudden, the what's going to start coming behind that to support that person becoming that barn find car, getting that '69 Camaro. Now, now that's exactly who they who they are becoming. They're becoming that '69 Camaro with a ten thousand dollar paint job. And a sweet motor pushing 600 horsepower out there in life.
1: <laughs> oh man, that's just that's just you. You started talking about a '69 Camaro, and I'm just like in La La Land, dreaming of driving <laughs> that down the road. And I'm not a huge gearhead, but you, you hit the right model right there. I'm like, yeah, yeah,
0: and it's out there, right? The best version. Those cars are still out there, just like the 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 listener. It's they're still out there. The best version of themselves, they're still out there, and I choose to believe. Uh, that they're not only capable of becoming that, but that they're actually, you know, when they check under the hood, you know, they see the 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 good motor, and they've got more motor in them than they realize, and that they're using today. We just got to bring it out of them,
1: guys. We we've just been getting under the hood a little bit with Bryce to understand the why and the who, and what really makes him who he is right now. That journey that he's been through. In the next part of the show, we're going to dive into how he found meaning in his passion and transformed that into a purpose, Mm. how you can do the same thing. We're going to roll our sponsor and we will be back with more from Bryce Kinney. How well do you sleep at night? Do you toss and turn and wake up more tired than when you went to bed? Sleep is commonly one of the critical elements people fall short on in their life. The quality of sleep you get directly affects your ability to control your weight, your ability to add muscle, your stress levels, and your everyday job and life performance. If you're ready to move to the next level, then sleep has to be part of the plan. Check out our friends at GhostBed.com if you're ready to get your best sleep. I love my GhostBed. I've been sleeping on one for a couple of years and has made a huge difference in how I sleep. Hit GhostBed.com and use the code THEFALLIBLEMAN30 to get 30% off your order and start getting better night's sleep tomorrow. Now, let's go on to the show. Guys, welcome back. In the last part of the show, we got under the hood with Bryce Kenny a little bit just to see what makes him tick. and how he's gotten to where he is. In this part of the show, we're gonna talk about how he found meaning in his passion and transformed it into purpose, and also how you can do the same thing. Now, Bryce, as kind of a precursor of this conversation, uh, just quickly, can we dig into the question of, you talk about in the book the importance of filling yourself up before you can empty yourself out and really Mm -hmm. pour yourself into something. Uh, Can you talk about why that's so important because yeah. if we're going to move into passion, we're going to have to pour ourselves out. Pour ourselves yeah. Out. Well,
0: and think about it. Think about it from a race car's perspective. You know, the only reason that you would drive a race car hard enough to win is knowing where the pit area is, right? Where Wherever you know that you would get refueled, then you're much more willing to go and run the car harder. You know, I mean, if you thought that you, you know, had no idea to get back and and put more gas in the tank, then you're going to conserve. And to me, I think life is the exact same way. So we, we're being constantly asked to do more, uh, to work harder, uh, more demands, all of those things. And I just believe that we're much more willing to work harder instead of conserve our, not only just our energy, but our resources and things like that we're much more willing to to, to kind of spill it all and to run harder at everything that we want to do and building that momentum in our life again and chasing after our goals when we know how we will get fueled back up. And so I'm a big believer that understanding that, you know, whether it's podcasts like this, whether it's time with family, whether it's alone time, I mean, if you're a big introvert, you need alone time to refuel, but understanding not just how, what makes you feel, refreshed and refueled. You know, some people think some people when they hear me saying this, they think of happiness. What's going to make me happy today? By the way, that's a terrible, terrible gauge. I think happiness is the dumbest goal for anyone to have. It should be a byproduct and it will be a byproduct from things that that are more meaningful in our lives and what we're doing. But when I say refueled, I'm not saying what's going to make you happy again. Uh, because sometimes that's a vice. Sometimes uh, certain things that we chase after that we think are going to make us happy—it's all just very fleeting. There's a difference between happiness and joy and all those things. But you know, for me personally, it's t- time with my family. Um, it's a book. Like I'm a physical copy book guy, and I need to read through that. For me, it's prayer. Uh, all th- those types of things, as small as they can seem, are big time refuels for me and there are a lot thing a lot of things and and that that'll do it from a bigger perspective like just getting results if i'm having a bad day right i'm i might go out and literally sweep out my garage to get a quick and to see the difference that of the garage looking good and and all of a sudden i i think it's a it's a matter of getting a lot of wins back to back because what happens if we're not careful careful in our lives we go through and we, we keep getting all these failures that add up to make us feel like a failure. You know, you might have set your alarm to get up at six forty five, but you hit snooze three times. You got up at seven fifteen. 15. You, you don't realize this, but you're starting the day off with a failure. And then you had a plan that that next morning you were going to wake up and make yourself an omelet, make yourself a healthy egg protein based breakfast. Well, because you, you, you got up at seven fifteen, you didn't have time to do that. And you had to microwave something, you know, that was fatty and not, healthy for you and just to stuff it down your face getting out the out out of the door and because you did all of that you're running just 5 minutes late to work and you get to work at 8:05 instead of 7:59 and now before you know it you're getting to lunch midday and all you've done you don't you don't think about it this way but subconsciously you feel like a failure midway through your day because you kept you had all of these failures that added up well, when we shift that focus and all of a sudden we're, we're winning focused and we're committed to those little things and those little goals, uh, then I think it allows us to to feel more like a winner. And so I believe that for me personally, it's seeing real results in something, something in life, whether it's getting the garage fixed, like I said, it could be literally, it could be as easy as sweeping out the floor. It could be a bigger win, like, you know, actually canceling the work meeting I had that night to enable to take my wife out on a date because we needed that in our marriage. I'm going to get through the end of that night and feel like a winner because I I made that decision to do that. So I think seeing real results is, is a big thing for a lot of us guys. And that is fuel in my tank. And so when I get really depleted and I start feeling tired, exhausted, and just like last week, I got back from Three months, I felt like, of just grinding out speaking engagements and events and this book launch that we had, all of the really critical things that was a labor of love. But I told my wife, I said, I have been preparing for three months straight for something, prepping, rehearsing, practicing, and I need to get out of that gear. I need to find a different gear right now, and it's not just about unplugging. It's not about just watching Netflix and, and turning my brain off. I do know, need those moments, by the way, where I just turn my brain off and look. I told her, I said, I've got to get into my creative gear. I've got to shift out of my prep and rehearsal gear and get into a creative gear. And, and, uh, and that's what I've been doing for the last four days. And, and it's been refreshing. That's what's filled up my tank. Well, when we know how and where to get our tanks refueled, we're so much more willing to go and spend every last drop in the gas tank in our efforts and in what we're trying to do, because we know that's not the end. And sometimes people want to think about it like a faucet. You're willing to pour out. If you had a cup of water, I got a cup of water right there. If this cup, I'm not afraid as long as I know where a faucet is, I'm not afraid to to drink all that because I know where to fill it back up. And that's the same process that we should be at as men. And and the reason why you're conserving what's inside is because you don't know where your faucet is. You don't know how you're gonna fill this back up once you can once you consume it. And whether that's your energy, your your skill sets, whatever that is, you gotta know where to get refueled. You gotta know where the pit area is to get that gas back in the tank. And when you do that, watch the effort, watch the the, the excitement to go and pursue those things. You're not gonna be scared of it anymore.
1: Guys, I, I wanted to make sure we covered that. Because in order for you to really, really follow your passion and seek that purpose, you're going to have to be ready to pour out. Mm -hmm. You you can't, you can't just kind of go through the motions and get there. It's not going to happen. So I love the fact that you talk about that in your book and most, most men are the really bad self-care is the first thing we drop, Mm. right? When life gets busy, the first thing that goes is my nutrition, my workouts. Uh, that's the first thing I sacrifice and guys are really, really centered around that a lot of times. Yes. So like that's the optional part.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, and guys are afraid of it because again, it's like, you know, is this going to hurt? Is this going to be worth it? I think some guys are afraid like, well, it'll be a waste of time. Cause what if it doesn't work out? Mm-hmm. And, and that's what happens is we start negotiating the price of success instead of paying the price of success. Well, paying the price of success, which is a lot of hard work and commitment and dedication and all the things that we as men know it's, is what it's going to take. It just becomes so much easier to give of yourself down that path when you realize that, look, you might exude a lot and you might exert a lot of of, of energy, but it will come back to you. And knowing where your faucet is, knowing where your, your pit area is, that's going to be vital in doing that. And that's why I spend a lot of the book trying to talk about that. And and I think that, you know, by the time someone gets through that chapter, they're going to understand what is my faucet? Like what's going to fill me back up? It's going to get them excited about pouring themselves out.
1: Now, Bryce, you left a secure corporate job. You said very lucrative, right? The kind of job where you can build into those bigger things. You left a lucrative job, which is going to be hard for a lot of guys right off the bat to even yeah. make a decision like that. What made you shift gears from that and go, you know what? Now I'm going to take a chance on this.
0: Yeah. I remember it was funny too, because I told monster jam and this had to do with the sponsored truck This is when great clips came around and they, they, they had my name forward to be the driver of the truck. And I, I kept telling monster jam no, because of that very reason, like I had a good life, good career, good corporate job, good income and a good track record. And so I, I remember kept telling them, no, 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 no. Finally, they called me and they said, Bryce, look, we know you've told us to take your name off the list for this truck even. But now you, they've officially chosen you as the driver. Like, what's it going to take? <laughs> <laughs> and I remember I was standing in my garage and I was looking around, I was on the phone with somebody and not talking about this decision because it was going to be a, I knew I could not do both. I don't think, Mo- Monster Jam was not even asking me to give up my corporate career. I just knew that if I tried to do both, I would be good at both, but not great at either thing. And so, and because of my top fuel stuff, I knew what being an ambassador was going to look like, being a representative for a brand. And I knew that was going to take every ounce of me. And it does. It takes every ounce of my professional effort uh, to go and be the, the best brand ambassador Great Clips has ever seen. Like that's my goal and my vision and my hope. And uh uh, but that's it takes everything you got. So I was standing in my garage, looking around on the phone with somebody. And I just noticed in that moment, it was almost like a reminder, everything in my garage, my shop, all the pictures, all the memories, the banners, that first time slip from me uh, uh, getting the track record at the same racetrack I grew up on when I got my top fuel license, all these memories and pieces of of memorabilia, everything had to do with racing and motorsports and my passion for motorsports. I didn't have a single picture up of some CEO I had placed, you know, <laughs> like there was no corporate career that really made that. And and what it did is it reminded me who I wanted to become as a, a growing up. That dream and the the who it wasn't the what, and that's what that's the biggest point I was I'm, I was trying to make earlier. It's like if someone just looked at my resume, you know, the resume talks about what I've done, and and it looks spotty. You go from like drag racing to to, uh, to executive recruiting than to Monster Jam. The what doesn't make sense. But when you understand who I wanted to be and to become ultimately, it does. And so I remember thinking I am someone who, like I said earlier, uh, wants to use the, the platform of motorsports to impact the world. And I immediately knew in that decision, I was like, I am supposed to be in Monster Jam. like And I took a 30% pay cut uh, mm-hmm. to leave my corporate career to chase this passion and to to ultimately uh, do this, and it's been seven years, and I don't regret it for a, a, an instant because I have it has enabled me to become that better version of myself. I don't know what the best version of myself looks like, but the better version is someone who uses the platform of motorsports to impact this world, and that's what I've gotten a chance to do. So I don't regret that decision whatsoever. It was a very difficult decision, but when I remembered who I wanted to become. The what then fell in line with that, and that's what has enabled me to go and run at the level I've been able to the last
1: seven years. You mean you didn't have like a you know trading cards of all the guys you have placed that you kept, yeah, yeah, right? I can't imagine, (laughs) yeah, yeah, who would play (laughs) that game? I don't know, right? (laughs) That's not like an inner office game, right? I praised three CFOs today, yeah, maybe it should be. (laughs) I don't know. Bryce, a lot of guys get stuck in the monotony of life. What do you say to men searching for more?
0: I think if it, the, we we've made purpose so much harder to figure out than it is. Like we think, oh man, our purpose, what's our purpose? Is there any meaning to life? it we we make it think we make us think like we're we've got to be some you know guru to figure it out, and it's not that hard. When we go back and we understand what our passions are. And, and if, once we become willing to equip those passions, you find your purpose, right? Equip your passion, find your purpose. And so we've just forgotten what our passions are. And so the guy that's listening to this, I know that there's passions in your chest somewhere. Maybe you haven't felt those in years. Maybe it's been 15 years and you just gave up on them. Don't, don't hear that critically when I say that because you're, you're like most of us that at some point you gave up on your passion. Right now, as you think about what are those things that I left behind because I didn't think I'd have the opportunity to do it, maybe you didn't have the funding to do it, or maybe you didn't have this, the intelligence to do it or the know how. But ultimately, whatever that passion is that you have in your life, if you've got the, the courage to equip yourself in that passion, your purpose will show up and, and you'll start to guide your direction and your, your decision making process into your purpose. And even before my book, if someone were to say, Bryce, if I wasn't going to buy your book, what book should I buy? I would tell you to go buy Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And uh, Man's Search for Meaning, he the first half of the book is how he survived the Holocaust. The second half of the book is the is the stuff that was basically done to him and the brain and, and what changed and the things that he saw in concentration camps. The lessons, I guess you could say, the psychological effect that's the only way he sees the world now. And he talks about those lessons. And a big part of that is how do you find meaning through trauma? And how do you find meaning through just life? Maybe your life doesn't have trauma. You know, you didn't have to go through the Holocaust. Maybe it's just, man, I, I'm, I'm, you know, a, a 22 years old and have no direction. Or maybe you're 42 and, and don't have any direction in life. But, you know, that's a scary thing to be in. And he talks about, look, there's, there's ways to find meaning. It can be... uh, uh A place you visited. It could be a a people that you've experienced in your life, or maybe something that's happened, but it also could be the attitude you take toward unavoidable suffering. And he goes on to say, he says, suffering ceases to be suffering the moment it finds a meaning. And so, you know, take it like all these kids that we get to help through my foundation, Live Like Warriors, we do a lot of crowdfunding for families going through cancer. And that's exactly what it is. I didn't even have officially a nonprofit for years because, you know, we just crowdfunded everything. I mean, if we were raising 1500 bucks, whenever we'd get $1,500, bucks, we would go buy the thing to give to the family that needed it. I mean, why would I need a nonprofit? And finally, I I decided to do it just because I got talked into it from a couple companies. I said, look, if you did that, we could kind of support you more corporately. I thought, well, that's a good idea. But, you know, those families, I, I have one of my dearest friends, she lost her child to brain cancer. And she suffers every day with grief, with guilt, with all these things. But let me tell you, she is beyond a helper and a little angel by going out and she hears these stories and she she gets to know these other families out there um, in the world going through cancer treatments and she finds needs. And she's the one that calls me 75% of the time. She'll call me and say, hey, Bryce, I found this family. I, I know this family up in Oregon and they need this. Do you think that your group could help with that? I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> right. So it, would we have, would we rather give back all of the meaning and purpose and the lessons and the things that she's done in order to have her child back alive with her? Of course, right. Everybody would, no one should have to go through through cancer and losing a child. I, I cannot fathom as a dad of three. However, it's her suffering, even though she is, is dealing with that trauma every day, it's not the same form of suffering because she has turned it into meaning and it's not completely hopeless of the suffering that she's going through. Now it's, and that's what Frankel says, he says, suffering ceases to be suffering the, the moment it finds a meaning. So yes, we would rather have Jace still alive, but now that he's passed, the fact that she's been able to turn suffering into something that helps other people is in, a, in and of itself an absolute miracle. And so finding meaning in life, man, it's it's not an easy thing to do, but it's not as hard as we've made it. And finding our purpose and living out our purpose, it really takes courage. It doesn't take as much understanding. It takes courage more than it takes understanding, meaning it takes courage to try to find your purpose through those passions and equipping your passions than it does having to have this perfect understanding of what your passions might be because also your purpose may change. You know, my circumstances change as I go through my life. You know, we add a child. We have to, you know, fix a $2,800 plumbing uh, repair today, right? We've got our circumstances change, but that does not change the calling that I believe is on my life and, and the who I want to become and who I believe that God is wanting me to become through the process and going out in this world and being someone who impacts the world through motorsports. And so even though that's my purpose, my circumstances to get through that stuff, it does take some patience, it takes courage, but it also takes a commitment for me personally to take more risks, have more faith, and the faith being belief and action on that belief that that things are going to happen. And and and, and then thirdly, be more creative, be creative enough to find the solutions to the problem. And when all of that happens, you know, and and we've got our purpose and we feel good about things where we're going, That's where momentum happens. And that's my deepest desire for everybody, anybody listening to this, anybody that reads my book, Geared for Life. My hope and desire is that they figure out what it looks like to build momentum. Because if you talk about the difference between success and failure, successful people simply maximized their momentum that they built longer than the other guy because momentum never lasts. And if you have the courage to go out there and build momentum and start with that activity and find first gear and first gear goes to second gear and you go to second gear to third gear and you find your gears eventually you'll get momentum but the road will run out on whatever you're you're doing so maximizing that momentum is key and i'm a big believer in doing just that and and be passionate enough be crazy enough to have the courage to go out there and do it and if you do just find that next gear you never knew you had and good things are going to happen
1: what's next for bryce kenny
0: Next for Bryce Kenny, I I am excited about where this book is going. I've been blown away at the feedback. The feedback has been awesome, uh, and it's been so encouraging because it doesn't make me feel cool. <laughs> it doesn't make me feel better about myself, like oh I'm I'm a great author or something like that. I I I wrote the book and immediately was like, man, I, I could write a better book. You're, I always think you always think, okay, how could I improve upon that? But I'm excited to see how far this book goes and and the the gears that people find. And it's turning into more speaking engagements. And now all of a sudden, I've seen that this platform that has started through motorsports is getting really, really big. I don't want to just play the game of motorsports. I want to change the way the game is played. I want to go out and change what an ambassador looks like to represent a brand, to go and do the things. Because simply put, it's not that it puts more money in my pocket or makes me feel better about myself from an egotistical standpoint. Is that I know more people are going to get helped. The bigger the platform, the bigger the impact. And just like I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, if I've got one fear, it's wasting my life. And I don't know how I'll feel on my deathbed, but what I refuse to do is just sit and wait for that moment and then die with regrets. I cannot bring myself, I cannot stomach myself if that's what, if that's what I'm going to do today. So no, today, what we're going to do is we're going to find the next year. We're going to keep shifting. And I really believe that God wants to do something special with this book and do something special with these speaking engagements he keeps bringing my way because there's there, I cannot connect all these dots on my own. I'm not smart enough, not bright enough, not cool enough and big enough to do that. I've got to have help just like every single listener needs, and I'm excited to to, to see those dots connect and and to see what's what comes into our life next week. I think there's a tectonic plate shift happening right now in the Kenny family. I think my life will look totally different in a year from now than it does today, simply because we're taking more risks, we're having more faith that that the right things are happening and the results are coming and that are already here, uh, and we're creative enough to find the the solutions and the problems as we go. and if, And because of that, I feel like we cannot fail.
1: Where's the best place for people to find you to follow up on this?
0: I I do probably the most right now on Instagram, TikTok. I've got the biggest followers, but uh, you know we all have a love hate relationship with TikTok. <laughs> but okay. Instagram is at Warrior Bryce, and I think my my TikTok is at Warrior Bryce as well. Um, and I'm starting to push more on YouTube, more of this longer content, and I think that that's helpful. Uh, but the book is available wherever books are sold. I know Amazon. We all every book I buy is either off of Amazon or abooks.com. Shout out to Abe Books, all the used books out there. But uh, um i like eight books but anyway uh I, you know it's 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 on amazon it's on Bar- uh, books and uh books a million and barnes and noble it's also on audible and being able to do that yep. but, and do me a favor buy the book and leave a review i'm i'm on i'm in an unofficial race with another book that i've got i have just competing unofficially with another book that i'm watching and uh right now we're ahead but i need some help i need as many reviews as we can and uh, and people to help push this book out but Buy a book and buy a book for that sophomore in college nephew of yours that's struggling to figure out their, their, uh, their direction. Buy buy a book for that 42-year-old professional that's asking that same question about like, you know, uh what's next and is this really all there is to life? And and it will not come back void. And if it is, then message me on Instagram, I'll give you your money back. <laughs> I think you guys, you'll love it
1: though. We'll have we'll have all of these links so you can find Bryce's book, so you can connect with Bryce down in the show notes in the description on all the platforms, of course. Uh, you'll also be able to find his book forevermore on my website, on my library page, because that's where my speakers go. Uh, I love, I love working with authors on the show. And so that's the place we put those books to make sure. I had someone ask me during a live stream once, like, you talk about a lot of books. Do you have like a <laughs> list somewhere? I was huh. like, no, but give me about 12 hours. <laughs> <laughs> now it's on the list. And, I'm and honored. I made the library. Now, now I have a library page on my website. So just, just for all that now, I know you're all dying to know because, right. It's the important question. What professional sport did bank Robert John Dillinger play? Mm. You guessed baseball. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. You're one of the first people to actually ever get that right. Yes. And so the answer is in fact, baseball infamous bank, robber John Dillinger did play baseball professionally, uh, before he was a bank, robber. So. Yes. I don't even know what? why I know that. Maybe
0: something <laughs> is there a movie about him or something? Uh, but it it, did. Good one. it went straight into my brain when we when we said made
1: that comment about baseball, and I don't know why. <laughs> Johnny Johnny Depp did a Dillinger movie, I think. Okay, several years back. I don't know they talk about baseball, but yeah. Mel Bryce, I want you to round us up. Okay, you have thousands of adoring fans out there, and are likely to gain more from this show. I certainly hope so. Uh, guys, I absolutely recommend the book. You read the Audible book yourself, which. Mm-hmm. Props to you. I enjoyed that because I listened to it on Audible. Yeah. What is the most important thing you want people to take away from today's show? You're doing better than you think you are. You're closer
0: than you think you are. Stop trying to find all the secrets to life and just go find that next gear that you never knew you had and watch good stuff start to happen for you guys. I believe in you. And if there's anything I can do to help along that pathway, along that race of life, I'll do it, and until that point, you know I'll be on the sidelines cheering for you guys. I'll be the one to to to, to coach you if I needed to or or anything like that. But uh, but ultimately, I just can't wait to see you guys at the finish line.
1: All right, guys, you heard it here. Be better tomorrow because what you do today, we'll see you on the next one. This has been the Fallible Man Podcast, your home for everything, man, husband, and father be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a show head over to www.thefallibleman.com for more content and get your own fallible man gear